Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Real Life Oscar Challenge, show where Kathleen just can't help but crack up for some reason, silently, though. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Well, whatever. As always, I'm your host, Michael Vito. It's me, Lars. (laughs) And it's me, Kathleen. Yeah. And uh, we're here to talk about every best picture nominee of our lifetime. So let's just do it. Yeah, this year All right. is 2002. The year was 2002. <laughs> You're rushing the it was, <laughs> it was the year of the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. The year the Euro was adopted by a bunch of countries in the European Union. And the year that American Idol debuted. But most importantly, it was the year that I turned 8, Lars turned 7, Kathleen turned 6. And a couple of movies were nominated for Best Picture. Those movies were, slash are, Chicago, The Hours, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Gangs of New York, and The Pianist. That wasn't in alphabetical order, but it doesn't really matter. Um, So let's start with Chicago, directed by Rob Marshall, uh, written by Bill Condon, based on the the musical Chicago by Bob Fosse, and Fred Ebb, and then the play Chicago by Maureen Dallas Watkins, starring Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Richard Gere, Queen Latifah, John C. Riley, and Tay Diggs. Chicago takes place in 1920 Chicago. Um, really? Oh, yes. Oh, that's smokes. why it's called that. Where cabaret star Velma Kelly has been arrested for murdering her husband and her sister, who it turns out are actually lovers. Um, and also, a sort of nobody named Roxy Jarrett has been arrested for murdering her lover, and the two engage in kind of a... McNulty. <laughs> yes, played by Dominic West, a.k.a. Jimmy McNulty from The Wire. And the two engage in kind of a PR battle to see who can get the most press for their murder trials all through song and dance. And Richard Gere is their lawyer. Um, Kathleen, you really like this movie. I did enjoy this movie. Thank you for <laughs> noticing, Michael. Um, there was, like, nothing about... Okay. Hmm. It's like, there are some movies, I was discussing this with someone weeks ago, I don't remember, where you just watch it and you're like, holy shit, they did that. They, like, pulled that off. And that was kind of Chicago for me. It also just hit all of the things. I love burlesque. I I think it was more cabaret than burlesque. Not that I don't really know the difference. It's true, you're correct. There was no, like, striptease involved. But there were very revealing outfits. I love whatever that is that they did. (laughs) Um, but for the record, I am a fan of both cabaret and burlesque. Um, 1920s fashion, style, love that. You know, I have never been to a prison, so I can't say if I am a fan of that. I also like um, well-done musicals, and this was a musical that was well done. Um, I felt that it was just like interesting and compelling, and it, it, it took a different look at prison life, where it's like you can... you. It's like it was the whole, I think this was a whole, like, a slight Lars movie, just for the fact that it's, like, how to play the system, and kind of. So, that's my opinion on that. The U.S. prison system works, is what I learned from this movie. No problems there. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie, like, right off the bat. Um, I was kind of, I don't know how I felt to watch it, but you know, I got really into it. Um, when Richard Gere showed up, I was like, oh my god! And I, I was so excited. Um, he's got some <laughs> weird songs, but I, it's fun. 
Um, but deep down, buried beneath, like, good performances, good music, um, and good sets, I think there is um, deeper discussions of, like, fame, what it means to be famous, um, mm-hmm. sort of the... The cost of fame. Yeah, the cost of fame. The thing, um, I was thinking about this last week, because we watched this probably, like, a month ago, um, is I think if I were to pair, like, an album with this musical to, like, have similar themes, it would be, like, Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, is I kind of get, like, in how you could sort of make... <laughs> You could kind of combine them in that they're both sort of about Kanye fame. West from Chicago. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and it, it's it's sort of the same like rem, like ruminations on fame and um, power and sort of how society like treats you as a minority in Kanye West's case or like a woman um, in the Chicago case. Um, but yeah, I. That's my that's my opening statement. Yeah, I was like, because um, I feel like Chicago on the surface very like it's I mean it's a musical so it's like quote unquote theatery. Yeah, but it's about like you know like it's very like flat uh, like I feel like I feel like theater kids love like the flapper era. Yeah, and they love sure. like just like a lot of all those like sparkly stuff and it's it's a lot of that. Um, and so I was expecting to be kind of like turned off by a lot of it, but like what I think actually it appeals to me is like how cynical it is. Yeah, and like that's I feel like it's not a thing you see in a lot of musicals. And that sort of, like, very cynical approach to, like, it, it takes this sort of meaning of all the world's a stage to its, like, darkest turn. Where yeah. it's, like, this is all this, like, crap I'm doing to, like, manipulate the media and the people around me. Like, the point is just because, like, and it, it's, like, it's, like, it's, it's a reciprocal thing, right? It's, like, we, like, the, the audience loves to eat it up because of the tabloids and all of that. And then the, the like, the performers, quote-unquote, the people, like, the murderers in this case, like, need it because they they feed off of those, gives them life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, 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 and I think that's that's where I was going with the Kanye West bit. <laughs> album bit because like on that album, um, you know, there's like all of the lights, which is about sort of like there's a scene in Chicago that is literally that song. It's like just lights flashing everywhere. Um, it's like when Roxy's like on the up. Is yeah. that I would pair that song with that song, and there's like mm-hmm. other songs I would pair with other songs. Um, I think, yeah. Oh, man. And, like, the courtroom scene is so good um, when he's, like, tap dancing. Um, I thought you didn't like that one. I, I, like that I So, my... I guess we can talk about, like, my problems with this movie, which is that, like... Yeah. This isn't, like, a problem for all of the scenes, but, like, a lot of the... All of the musical performances take place on a stage. So, you'll have a scene where people are talking, and then there'll be, like... There'll be some cue to go into the song, and instead of, like, them singing in a courtroom or singing in prison they are singing on a stage. And I think that works sometimes, but I don't think it works all the time. I think sometimes it actually kills the momentum kind of dead because it really limits what they can do. Like, there are at least two songs where I'm just like, why do we have... Like, Mr. Cellophane, where John C. Riley talks about it, no one cares about it. I'm like, why do I have to sit through this, like, Lit completely in, in, uninspiring sort of set piece? Like, I like how they decked him out as, like, the sad clown, but, like, I, outside of that, it's just, like, this, like, Langer's song where like not a lot is happening visually. So this is my defense for that. 
is that the characters are imagining them like the goal the character's ultimate goal is to become famous yeah so if you're in that head state like singing you're not going to be like oh i'm in my room singing to myself yeah you're going to be imagining yourself mm. on a stage singing right. to lots of people yeah so it brings us into their mental place yeah which is why i appreciate and i i I agree with that completely. I also disagree that it killed the momentum. Yeah. I feel like the other kind of musical kills the momentum way yeah. more. I'm thinking like, like, you know, La La the Rain, you name any musical, and it's like where it's like the stage is where they're, or not the, the set is where they're singing. Um, and then like the song ends and like the music just kind of falls away and you're just like, I guess we're just normal people again. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, I, then I'm like, it's like a, you like trip in the movie. Whereas yeah. I feel like in Chicago, it like, chunks like sections it off so that that does not happen yeah and there are parts where i think it works like i think the like the two to me the two best musical sequences are the the cell block tango yes which is the 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 lipsious one where it's all all the all, all the people in the jail who are in jail for murder are, are singing they do this tango with like their their murder victims like that i think is really good i think the roxy heart seems really good where it's just like this stark black thing and she's in all that white dress and there's like the giant. I love how like tactile that giant Roxy signs. Like you, you can, you can. It feels like you can like grab onto it. Like I just, I kind of love that. Yeah. Um, but like there are parts, like I said, with like Mr. Cellophane, um, the, uh, the I can't do it alone part, where it's like Catherine Zeta Jones trying to convince Renee Zellweger to join off as like, they can be like a duo. Like to me, that just kind of like left me cold because she's just kind of like doing these weird dance moves for like no one and then um the tap dance thing like i like the idea of like oh like this sort of like you know tricky part i've got myself into in this court like i i I like the idea where it's like oh i'm doing a tap dance but like it just cuts it shows richard gear in the courtroom and then cuts to richard gear on a stage an empty stage with no one in the audience and him tap dancing like away from where the audience would be and that to me is just like a weird way to like that takes away because like when it cut when it like cut to that part i was like we're doing this again like we're cutting to another sort of like uninteresting set like i didn't really get and like i'm not saying that like it would be better if he was actually tap dancing like in between the jury and the judge or maybe it would be but like i'm not saying i have a solution to it per se but i just feel like it was lacking in that regard and even like queen latifah song the when you're good to mama like I almost, like, I feel like that is more naturally, like, she would be walking down, like, the cell block and people would be, like, giving her stuff. Like, I feel like that more naturally lends itself to, like, an actual in-the-moment performance instead of, like, being some, like, jazz club like it is. So, that, those are my thoughts. But it does the musical differently, which I <laughs> yeah. think is, like, unique for Chicago and almost almost just Chicago. Because it's, like, it's the only musical that does quite this. Mm-hmm. And mm. this is my point. I am, if there are any hardcore musical fans out there I apologize in advance but I honestly believe in every single musical that you will ever ever see there's at least two songs that fall flat every single time and whoa that's a strong (laughs) statement name one that there isn't really yeah the Hamilton (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're gonna have problems Um, there there is at least I haven't seen Hamilton we're going to see a soon Kathleen tonight there's at least one Hamilton song I do not which yeah. one? Just listening to the, the soundtrack. The uh, the death doesn't discriminate one. Oh, you guys are. I I can't oh, stand man. that. Song. I'm already prepared to like not tell you my Wait true opinions. It? Yeah, 
That's the best song in the album. <laughs> okay, this is like, oh my god. I'm so prepared to not tell you my like true opinions on Hamilton because I just am critical of theater in general. Not that I have a right to be because I've never participated in theater, but so this is my two points. And um, any musical, there's at least one or two songs that will fall flat for any individual, right? Sure, sure. And there is a point where it starts to get tiresome and you kind of are like ready for everything to be wrapped up. And at that point, they always throw in another song. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, even if this is good, I'm getting a little tired of the musical breaks. Mm-hmm. That is my personal opinion. So whenever I felt it was like dragging in Chicago, I was like, this is not a knock against the movie. This isn't, this is how I experience musicals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's fair. Yeah. So and- I, I didn't like the, the, um, the courthouse one, but I think it was because I was just getting fatigued at that point. Yeah, La La Land two doesn't have a flat song. There we go. The um, Where They're Dancing in the Stars is kind of yeah. Weird. I don't like that one. Where They're Dancing in the Stars. Planetarium. Me, that's like, that's like singing in the rain when they do that. Um, the the gotta dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I like singing in the rain. One of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah, that part just kind of kills. Kills the momentum dead. Which, like, all musicals used to have that part. They would have, like, a big sort of, like, dance-heavy sequence. Like, On the Town has the uh, the Miss Term style thing where he's, like, imagining what Miss yeah. Term style like. Um, and that's the only other one I can think of right now. Yeah. Um, Those are the only two musicals if you ever see two musicals. Or that right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... I feel like I had something. Else. Oh, and like it's very clear they don't know what to do with Richard Gere, <laughs> like because it's just clear like just musicality has not come naturally to mm-hmm. him. Um, but he tries really hard. But like like but like his songs like, like razzle dazzle. Yeah. Like, it it doesn't ra- like, I don't like they they tried oh. to they like that they try to throw everything at you. Like they, it's the most probably the most elaborate set like musical set That's aside like, from maybe the ending. But but it doesn't work for me at all. But the They Both Reach for the Gun song Oh, no, that's amazing. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's oh he's so fantastic. good in that one. There's, like, one weird cut where it shows him actually holding, like, a marionettes thing. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a weird cut. But the rest of it, I think, is, yeah. Where yeah. he, there's a sequence where he, it's the press conference, and he's he's sort of, it shows him manipulating Roxy as if she were a... Marionette uh, doll. Mary, or a dummy. A yeah. dummy. And then the, the press are also, yeah. No, that, that one's oh, so good. good. That one's really good. Um... Yeah. The Razzle Dazzle song also did not razzle or dazzle me. Yes. Um, it felt to me like their attempt at doing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, in, like in the Marilyn Monroe, whatever musical that is. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yeah. And um, it was just like, stuff. at that point it was just too many sparkles and it's like nobody can handle that much glitter. Yeah. Except maybe Boz Lerman, mm-hmm. who did do Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend in Moulin Rouge, yeah. which we lost. Which I also times episode. didn't like that scene either. That was fine. I might just not like that song. That Maybe could I be. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else with this movie? I do. Just to reiterate your point, I I like that it was a dark twist. Uh, oh yeah. Cool. It was fun. It was different, and yeah. um, it was cool. Watching initially, I thought like it felt like some of the framing was a little cramped, and there was just, like a lot of stuff. It was a very busy set, but I feel like it kind of ended up justifying that. And they do do other cool like things, like when they do the cell block thing, they cut in between the actual musical sequence and then just people like telling the story in like boring jailhouse sort of mm-hmm. um, settings. So I, like that's pretty clever. Um, the ending number like is pretty good. 
I like when they pretend to shoot the sign so it, it spells out their names. Um, and just, like, it's in, like, the bad guys win in this, right? Like, it's a very, it's a different kind of musical yeah. in that regard. And it's, it's, it's very, it, it's, it's at once for fun, but also it's just like a, it's a commentary on sort of the way I feel like Americans use media. And can I, um, say one thing? Yes. It's just, this is a very personal opinion. Renee Zelliger. Yeah. Not my fave. So I was like tiny bit pissed that she was the lead in this. She she's I, interesting. I I didn't like her in Jerry Maguire. I also hate, but I also hate the way Cameron Crowe writes women. Um, she was fine in this. She's all right. I thought she worked in this I, better than she's worked in anything else. I agree. Yeah. yeah. What have the son of the one movie watched with her in Jerry Maguire? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I guess. But I think she. The costuming made her look really good. Yeah, yeah. I think she like looked the part. A lot. And she likes, like as like, even though it's not a lot of people known for their singing, I feel like most of the singing is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you never just like it's never like Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia, where like oh god, like why <laughs> didn't they cast? <laughs> and then my mom's like, but it makes more sense. It's more realistic because he's bad at singing. It's like, it's like okay, I guess so. I guess so, but also <laughs> like, that, like... <laughs> the choice that they were going for. <laughs> or like oh, hello Dolly, Walter Matthau. That is an insp- like inspirationally bad musical performance. It's on, and it's a bad movie in general. But my god. Anyway. Chicago was nominated for 13 awards. Um, it won editing, won costume design, was nominated for cinematography, won art direction, won for best sound. Uh, the song I Move On, which is played during the credits, was nominated for best song, uh, nominated for adapted screenplay. Queen Latifah was nominated for best supporting actress. Catherine Zeta Jones won for best supporting actress. Uh, John C. Riley was nominated for best supporting actor. This would become the year of John C. Riley, as we'll discuss. Renee Zellweger uh, nominated for Best Actress, and Rob Marshall directed for Best or, or nominated for Best Director, and this did in fact end up winning Best Picture. Um, arguably the last—I mean, unless you consider the artist and musical, probably the last musical to do so. Um, all right, moving well, on. We have to watch the artist. We do get to watch the artist for a while though. Ours is fine. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna move on to another movie we had to watch: The Hours. <laughs> Uh, Gangs of New York next? Oh, you're right. Let's do Gangs of New York instead. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Directed by Martin Scorsese. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> directed by Martin Scorsese. Written by Jay Cox, Steven Zalian, and Kenneth Lonergan. Uh, based on a story by John Jay Cox. Very, very, very loosely based on a book by Herbert Ashbury. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Daniel Day-Lewis, Cameron Diaz, Jim Broadbent, John C. Riley, Henry Thomas, Brendan Gleeson. So Gangs of New York takes place in New York, um, and is about, I guess, a lot of things, but is mostly about Amsterdam Vallon, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, whose father, Priest Vallon, played by Liam Neeson, was the leader of the Dead Rabbits, who are this street gang in New York made up mostly of Irish immigrants, um, and he is killed in battle fighting uh, the, I think they're called the Bowery Boys, Daniel Day-Lewis's gang, who plays Bill the Butcher Cutting who are very racist, and they're American nativists, right? They don't like Irish immigrants, or really anybody who isn't a white... Build the wall. Around Ireland, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they killed him in battle, and so he sort of stews for years in, in the, like the, the, the prison, a child's prison, basically. Yeah. Um, gets released, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go kill this dude. But as he tries to get closer to him, kind of falls underneath his wing. Um and does a lot of work for him, but it all the all the while is planning his revenge in the backdrop of 
New York in the 1860s uh, towards the end of the Civil War as the draft is being instated. Um, who wants to start? I freaking loved this movie. I think this, it, when we talk about the hours too, I think this year established what a Kathleen movie is. We already know what a Lars movie is. But I think a Kathleen Who's movie... That? Is either what the hours was, which we will discuss in a bit. What do you say? I resent this. <laughs> I am not. Chronicle. There was I, I. One of my friends growing up, his older brother would like identify certain bands as like, oh, X person music. So like, if you list like, if like my favorite band would be like, become like Mike Levito music. But go on. Who was this? Uh, it was. What well, we can talk about later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like just guys feeling vengeful going out and being sexy and <laughs> murderous at the same time and i love it and the costuming in the okay breaking this down the costumes gorgeous yeah, the sets really fantastic mm-hmm. um just the actors like leonardo dicaprio whoever played the butcher daniel Day lewis I think my favorite perform def for me a top ten performance of all time for any actor yeah. in this movie to go on. It's just like this movie is so freaking dense, and I definitely have criticisms of it. I did not at all. I was not inspired at all by the love between Leonardo DiCaprio's character Amsterdam or whatever his name is. Amsterdam, yeah. And the chick. Cameron Diaz. Um, was it Jenny? Yeah, Jenny. That. Jenny, ev- like Ever Evagene or Evergreen or something, something yeah. Um, and it's like I understand because you always got to put a romance in because it makes it like sexy and fun. But really, like I didn't care. Um, I thought at the beginning I thought she was just gonna be a fun like comedy comedic outlet. What are they? You know, comedic comic relief. They, they thank you. Yep. And um, but then they actually made it serious, and I wasn't about it anymore. Um. But it's just like this movie just checked all the freaking boxes for me. Loved every single second of it. I so I I also really like this movie. I saw this movie when I was like younger, and um, I think subconsciously I've been trying to like have Leonardo DiCaprio's hair from this movie for like a really long time. I realized that. Um, I like I said I think Daniel Day performance in this is amazing. Like he, I could watch him be this dude like all day. It has some scenes that I think are absolutely amazing. Uh, like when he has Leonardo DiCaprio like splayed out on that table and he's like beating him up and he's just like, this boy has no heart! And stuff like that. Um, just just, just so good. Um, and I think it is also... And like I love the time period too. I think it's really fascinating. Um, I think it's also a deeply flawed movie, which is fine. But like... What what I think I figured it out is is Martin Scorsese, right? This is Martin Scorsese movie. Um, and like one of my favorite directors, Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. What I think Martin Scorsese does so good is that like he makes you sort of sympathize and want to be with a group or a character until sort of flipping on it, flipping it on you at the end. Um, so Goodfellas, right? It's all about how attractive and interesting and colorful life in the mob is at the beginning, but very slow you you see the dark side of it, and then it completely turns on the main characters. Um, I feel like I never got that sort of complexity in Gangs of New York. I feel like it's a little more black and white, and it's very much a straight revenge movie. And the sort of, like, it very much romanticizes the idea of being in an Irish street gang in, like, the 1860s. And, like, 
as like a 16 year old that was like dope and like very much soaked an in interest for me in Irish history and Irish American history and things like that and sort of like a you know that portion of my identity but I think looking back on it now it's a little didactic and sort of reductive and I don't know I feel like this movie tries to do too much and because of that it ends up doing in the story department and sort of like the subtext department a little too little nice <laughs> okay you almost went into where I was about to go you got close <laughs> I completely agree. Mm. I think this movie's really just good. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I'm going to make some bold claims here. <laughs> I think Scorsese in general is like peak film for like 17-year-old boys ah. with, who are studying like film. And like I'm in high school, I'm an old teenage boy, and I, think I that's, like movies. I think that's Tarantino. I I, I I I get it more from Scorsese, if we're being honest. Is I think like people are watching like Goodfellas and Wolf yeah, of no, Wall yeah, Street, yeah, yeah. and it's like it's teenage boys, yeah, 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 okay. and they're I'll, like I'll they think this is like yeah. peak film, right? 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 I fine, fine. I have I don't think I can find a single Scorsese film that's like a five star for me. Is Goodfellas would be the closest? Mm-hmm. Um, the Aviator, even even that is like. I was really into it when I was 17. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it's a five-star film. Okay. And I think this film has all of the worst reasons for that. Okay. Um, I think it's, like, overstuffed. It, like... Not overstuffed. I think it's almost understuffed. Is it, like... It just, like, ebbs and flows too much. And, like, it lost me for 15 minutes. Then I was super into it for, like, five minutes. Um... It's just such a long, like, story um, that doesn't have quite the payoff I was looking for. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis is good, but he's good in literally everything he's ever done. Um, I, I feel like there are more interesting stories to tell in New York at this time than just this very clear... Like, I wish they would have gone more into other elements of the city. Yeah. Like, the politics part, they, like, hint at enough that you're like, oh, this is, like, a whole thing. And it is. This is a whole thing. But they don't actually, like, like give you any, like, payoff there. Mm. Um, and that, I think, is to its discredit. I almost think if this, if this, if, if, if Gangs of New York, the book, had never been, like, adapted and very, very loosely was adapted into this movie in 2002... And so, and like, I feel like it would be made into like a TV show on like HBO now. Yeah, like, because I, I, it's it's very sprawling and covers a lot of ground. And yeah. the book itself, it's literally it's about Irish street gangs, but it's not about like, oh, there was this guy named Amsterdam who wanted to kill this other dude. Yeah, like, these are all composite characters, and it's a history book, right? It's not really there's no straight through line like storyline. Yeah. So, the yeah, the appealing thing for me is the production design. It's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. I, for me, like for this is peak Leo for me. Um, interesting. interesting like not necessarily like his best acting work but peak like icon Leo where it's kind of like as like a cool dude yeah um, and so it, yeah it's like the production work it's the time period it's it's all of that that is the most it's very viscerally appealing but when I think about the story itself it, it's lacking a little bit and yeah. I think revenge stories are great and I think they can be executed really well but there is a little 
and and I think you know there's like the the draft rights deserve it's a story that deserves to be told and it kind of is and I think that sequence is really good the way they sort of like they sync up the telegraph like thing and then it shows you them like burning down Wall Street or whatever yeah but, yeah um, yeah I think that's fair I, I it's just, it's missing too much and has I have too many like picks with it yeah for it to be the best picture mm-hmm. do you have rebuttals Kathleen? No, because I agree with all of that, but it's like, I don't care, you know? Yeah. You're definitely making me, like, reconsider my pick for best picture, but at the same time, I'm like, hell yeah, watch this. Is it as good as Braveheart? No, but it's like, Braveheart's, like, younger cousin, you know? It yeah. is. It reminded me a lot of Braveheart, mostly because it's, like, the same <laughs> Um, But also because it kind of has the same, like, through line. It's mm-hmm. just sort of like a revenge story. I just think Braveheart is tighter with it and more, like, interesting, whereas I think this one... It, like, loses me every, like, few minutes, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have quite the, like, strong driving force that Braveheart did. Um, yes. It has, it, like, it's more, has more tentacles. Yeah, it's way more chaotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Braveheart is, like, about a giant battle and yada, 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 but there's no chaos. It's all very, like, orderly from a film standpoint. Which, if you're making a three-hour movie, your film better be orderly. <laughs> and that's going to come up in one of the next films we discuss. Yeah. Um, what, what I will say, though, is I do think Scorsese had, like, some ideas. Like, I don't think he was just like, ah, revenge movie. Like, there is, I think, he's at least trying to say stuff about, like, the fraught nature of the American melting pot. Because that's, what, that's what's really fascinating to me about this time period is that we think of basically any time, at least perhaps it's just because I'm a millennial. But I think of, like, any time before, like, the 1970s as, like, very, like, segregated and stuff. Um, probably because it was in certain parts of the country. But, like, here in the poor areas of New York in, like, the 1860s, you had a collisions of African-Americans, like, freed slaves, Irish-Americans, Polish immigrants, German immigrants, um, you know, old, the old Dutch aristocracy, uh, you know, just sort of, like, you know, English English people. You had, like, a lot of Chinese immigrants, too. And then that that sort of like the the a lot of the bubbling conflict. And there's a lot of like contradictions, right? Like Bill the Butcher is openly racist, and yet he has Irish people working for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they hang out at like these Chinese bars and stuff. And there, there's even a scene a scene where he sees um, like a, a black guy doing a Irish American step dance and to an Irish song, and he's like, this is like. He calls it a fine American mess, and I feel like that's the point of this movie. It's yeah. about the fine American mess, um, yeah. and so I, I respect it for that. And I, that's an idea that's really appealing to me. And like I said, this is—I would say, pro, like if I were to make top fifty, my personal favorite top fifty movies, this would definitely be on the list. But it's like you know, it's really? favorite, not best. Really? Yes. Wow. Because I like it had that effect on me when I first saw it, and Daniel did like. There are so many lines from this movie I would repeat just because I thought, like, when... <laughs> I don't remember... I, like, I try to work in, like... There's a part where, like, Daniel Lewis kills Brendan Gleeson and Bob... I think it's Bob Spies, like, you killed an elected official? And he goes, who elected him? And I try to, like, work that into conversation sometimes. Like, who elected him? And stuff like that. Um, it's just, like, other stuff. I was like, oh, right, I remember this. And so, for me, it's really appealing. Um... And the way I think it fits into sort of Martin, like one of the reasons I think it was not even for Best Picture, aside from just the great production design and the, I would say like pretty solid like technical achievements here, is that it comes after like kind of a down period for Martin Scorsese because he had made Casino, which is considered good, and then he made Kundun and Bringing Out the Dead, 
bring out the dead story Nicolas Cage which are like not considered like which are like not considered peak Martin Scorsese and I feel like this was the beginning of a return to form for him and the Academy already loves Martin Scorsese so that's why it's got nominated but that's just me anything else just the freaking costumes yeah they're so freaking good yeah did it win? Well, you'll tell us. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no. Chicago won Best Costume. Oh, uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> Gangs of New York actually didn't win any awards. It was nominated for a lot, but it didn't win any. Um, nominated for Best Original Song, The Hands That Built America by U2, um, which plays over the credits. Uh, best Sound, Film Editing, Costume Design, Production Design, Cinematography, Original Screenplay, Daniel Day-Lewis was nominated for Best Actor, Martin Scorsese for Best Director, and, of course, Best Picture. Um, Jeez. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on now to The Hours, which I had teased earlier, I guess. I don't know. Directed by Stephen Daldry, written by David Hare, based on a novel of the same name by Michael Cunningham, starring Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore, Nicole Kidman, Ed Harris, Tony Collette, Claire Danes, Jeff Daniels, Stephen Delane, Allison Janney, John C. Riley for the third time in this year, and Miranda Richardson. This movie, um, it's sort of three stories in one. One story is the story of author Bridget Wolf and her story, her struggle with mental illness and also her writing the novel Mrs. Dalloway. Um, and she has a visit, and she's, she's sort of, she's living in the countryside because the doctors have sort of determined that city life was too chaotic for her. And because of her anxiety and depression, she had to move out to the countryside. Um, then in the 1950s, you have Julianne Moore's character who was reading Mrs. Dalloway. Um, she's, Pregnant, and she has a young child and a husband played by John C. Riley, and it's her husband's birthday, and she has to bake him a cake, which um, causes her much distress. And then, in sort of contemporary to yes, Kathleen, I don't think the cake causes no, her much she, distress. No, she she she's under distress and is frustrated that she has to make a cake, yes. or by the making of the cake. And in two thousand two, <laughs> I assume it's supposed to be take place two thousand two. Meryl Streep plays this person who's best friend has just won an award for his poetry um he is dying of AIDS and she is trying to host a party in his honor that he is sort of ambivalent about attending and it's causing her a lot of stress which this all mirrors the plots of Mrs. Dally which is about a woman hosting a party for I think for a poet a poet's involved somehow um it's been a while since I read it and then I'm surprised you have read it not read, as a knock to you, but I had to read it for a class. Yeah, that's yeah, and like I, I, we had to read like sixty pages of like a, a night. It was yeah. I so I, I, I sped through it. I don't remember like all I remember is that it's about a person named Mrs. Dalloway, and then that guy dies. Meryl Streep <laughs> is living out the plot. Yeah, Mrs. Dalloway. more or less yeah. in a modern setting. Yeah. Um. So when we were watching this, I joked that this movie just. Oh no, really, I am okay, the movie, and then you were like, I like this movie, Kathleen. I love this so, movie. So, tell us why you like this movie. <laughs> this is another Kathleen movie, where it's just sad people being sad. Does that appeal to everyone? Hell no. no. Does that appeal to me? Yeah. Um, I am, mental health is one of my passions, so I don't know if it's so much that this movie was like super interesting and intriguing and great and perfect, or... More, I just lost my train of sentence, but it appealed to me. So I don't know if I love it for the actual construction of the movie, or if I loved it for just being being resonating with me personally. Mm-hmm. But it's quiet. It's simple. It's about characters. I really like character focused movies. I am not about plot focused movies. They frustrate me. 
Um, so that's why I don't like Lars movies. <laughs> oh, you're going to just leave off the movies part of that? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like character-focused movies, even though these characters are just kind of like massive downers. Yeah, um, which is the point. Which is the point. I do like that we got to get to know them. I like that, and what I enjoyed is that I like that the stories are interwoven, and you get to see, it is you get to play detective a little tiny bit, because you'll start to get hints of how everyone is connected, and you get to start putting that together. Um, so for me, that made it more interesting than just like, oh, I'm learning about these random characters through different stories, I'm about to do, like, there comes a point where you're like, oh, I see where this is going, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um... There's the plot twist at the end that I forgot about until just now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it also, if we're talking about costuming again, which we're going to because I'm the one talking, um, it was fun to see three different, clearly different eras of costumes mm. where we have something that's a bit more 50s, 60s vibe, something that's whenever Virginia Woolf lived. Like, like the 30s, 30s 40s. 40s. Yeah. And then something that's like a modern, early 2000s vibe. Um I was just about it. I was all about it. I, so I, this movie was not, like, terrible, but it was, I did find it tedious and contrived. Like, I, like, I I don't really understand the purpose of the story. I don't understand, and it's based on a novel, I don't understand why, to me, it's just kind of an exercise in cleverness. It's like, how many different elements from Mrs. Dalloway can I weave into the lives of these two characters? And I don't entirely... I think part was supposed to be, like, inherited trauma with, like, it turns out that Julianne Moore's character is the mother of Ed Harris's mm-hmm. character. I think it's, you know, there's supposed to be, like, inherited trauma stuff there um, and, like, memory and, and things like that. But I don't... It never really, like, clicked to me what the point was other than to be sad about death and and and, and also not be afraid of it at the same time. Like... It literally opens with Virginia Woolf killing herself, and then also closes with Virginia Woolf killing herself. So it's like, what have we actually accomplished in this, like, two hours? And maybe that's the point. And I don't necessarily hate morose movies by default, but it's a very morose movie. Lars? I... I, yeah, I, I think I agree more with... You, Michael. Um, no uh, shit. <laughs> I, I, I think. Th- okay, my problem with this movie this is like a, a lame cop out. Here is, I'm gonna give y'all the benefit of the doubt and say the acting is brilliant. I will give you that. Let, I don't know that I think it is. I don't it's know fine. that I think I, that it's brilliant. Yeah, it's like fine. It didn't like wow me, but yeah, it's like that's how I. I'm just. I'm saying. Yeah. I'm giving you the benefit okay. of the doubt. Let's assume the acting is brilliant. Okay. It's not. Um, okay. Um, that's kind of it. It's got nothing else for me that a best picture should have. There's no like brilliant production design. Maybe the 1950s like car and house. Like that's literally the best thing I saw in terms of production design. Virginia's Wolf House is nice. Yeah, but it's just a house. There's no like. There's a garden. It's a, it's a fancy English house. Okay. With fancy oh English God. garden. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. There's no like soundtrack I really like fell for. The score I don't is think not good. Like, a, the yeah, score is there's not no good. like brilliant like cinematography at work. Like I really struggled to find anything 
other than maybe acting and maybe plot that this film kind of had going for it. And the plot is really just kind of, it's not like brilliant. I don't think the plot is actually brilliant. It's literally just, this is writing, this is living, this is reading. I can come up with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. well, yeah. I, well, I mean, I, it's like it's like I, I don't know. It's like if I made a book about Ayn Rand or something. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not a fan. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, that came out wrong. It's like if I made a book about like, uh, but actually, like if you were to make a book because Ayn Rand and Virginia Woolf are like in the same era, is why I jumped to Ayn Rand. I think she's a little later. Yeah, that was like Ayn Rand is writing Atlas Shrugged. The dude is living out Atlas Shrugged, and like then Feel there's long movie. then there's some like douchey college libertarian reading Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> like this is not an interesting movie, right? I get it. The whole through line is that they're all this. I don't. That's my whole thing with this. Is like there are parts of it that are good, but it does not. It does not hit the like categories it needs to be a great movie. I don't give you that. I, like, totally, totally understand that, like, I love this movie because I personally love this movie, and I love dark shit. Um, And I'm like, I don't expect anyone to be interested in this, and I don't really... It seems to me like this is the pretentious nominee, where people are like, oh, yes, we want to pretend we're nice and deep, and we understand death, and we think about these things, and we're like, let's nominate this, because it'll make us look intelligent, and, like, we read. It's, it's like, it's the independent nominee, because the other are, like, they're not all, like, blockbusters per se, but they're more blockbuster-y. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so I totally agree. I don't, I, if I was a member of, like, the voting people, I would not nominate this, um... But that being said, I know what scene I despised, yeah. absolutely despised, is when Julianne Moore's character, that's her name? Yeah, uh, Julianne Moore? Yeah. Uh, her character's name? No, just the, I was confused. That's yes, her right, character's name is Laura Brown. Okay. Yes. Um, she is considering suicide, so she's laying on the hotel bed with the, there was a pills next to her. Yeah. And she's thinking about if she wants to do this, and... To mirror um, the other chick's name, Virginia Woolf's death, by drowning, they have her um, hotel room fill up with water. Mm -hmm. And I was so pissed because there is not another scene in this movie that is like fantasy, phantasmagoric like that. Surreal. Surreal like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you can't just throw that in there. It it doesn't make any freaking sense. If you wanted that to be part of her character development okay but just that one moment i'm like and i know what you're going for i see what you're doing i get it i respect it the thought but i don't respect that you actually chose to put that in that movie that's that yeah yeah speaking of the acting um it's fun (laughs) um Nicole Kidman's, like, good. She won, she won an Oscar for this. Because she doesn't look like Exactly, which is probably why she won, but she's also she's also good. Um, she's very brooding. She is. And, like, so my other thing, uh, this is what I actually wanted to say, is that, like, in that scene, it's like, because, uh, what's her name? Virginia Woolf was like, I think my heroine needs to die. And that's when it starts to happen. She's like, no, I'll kill the poet instead. Mm-hmm. And then, that, and then that, the, the water goes away. And it's like, was this supposed to be, like, profound that you're killing the poet? Like, I don't get the point. Maybe I just... Don't understand literature enough. I don't know. Um, this is like, but also talking about acting. Like Julianne Moore, I never a huge Julianne Moore fan. She does like distressed okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this is like Meryl Streep. I'm always like, she's like, I get people love her. 
This is like, I feel like this is good Latter Day Mail Street where she's literally kind of playing herself. She's just like a wealthy person living in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, With wealthy friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else about this movie? Uh, no. No. Okay, cool. Uh, it was nominated for editing, costume design, score, adapted screenplay, supporting actress Julianne Moore, supporting actor Ed Harris, Nicole Kidman won Best Actress, Stephen Jaldry was nominated for directing, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Moving right along to The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <clears throat> Directed by Peter Jackson, screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, Stephen Sinclair, and Peter Jackson. Based on the book by J.R.R. Tolkien, starring Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Cape Blanchett, John Reese Davis, Bernard Hill, Christopher Lee, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Hugo Weaving, Miranda Otto, David Wenham, Brad Dorf, Sean Bean, and Andy Serkis. This is still about Lord of the Rings. Um, Sean Bean, isn't it? Sean, uh, he is it. Sean Bijan? Well, he plays. Boromir, right? I guess yeah, maybe not the last one. Yeah. He's listed on Wikipedia as being in the cast. Weird. Um, his, uh, you know, so basically what happens is, is that um, Frodo and Sam run into Gollum and he, they, he tries, they, and they ask him to lead or force him kind of to lead them to, uh, Mordor. Mordor. Mount Doom. Yes. My yes. Jesus right, Christ. Right. But get intercepted by Boromir's family. Um, meanwhile, uh, Isengard's forces are, are, are bearing down on, on the horsemen of Rohan. Um, the riders of Rohan. <laughs> I thought they called them the horsemen. The, the riders of Rohan. Whatever. Jesus. On my... the nation of Rohan. And... Um, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, and Gandalf try to sort of motivate their king to take action, um, which leads to the Battle of Helm's Deep. And then Merry and Pippin meet the Ents and try to convince the Ents to take action against Isengard. Um, is the, the the most reductive way I can describe that plot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lars. Speaking of long and disorganized, here we go. This is the one. I think it works in the trilogy. I think it's the worst part of the trilogy. And... Yeah, similar critique here. This movie is very long, and it does not have the through line it needs to, like, carry a three-hour-long movie. Unlike Braveheart, um, I think The Fellowship of the Ring did, and I think the third one does. But this one, by, like, design, and I think you get this with, like, sequels a lot, um, is, like, everything kind of falls apart into multiple, like, groups. Yeah. Which is literally just this movie. Um... That being said, um, I think there's good stuff. Um, I like, like, I think the 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 plot with um, like uh, the remaining members of the fellowship. Sorry, the that's, that's literally everyone. Yes, the yeah. Rohan part is clearly the best, yeah, like yeah, part yeah. of it, where it's like like the Battle of Helm's Deep is really cool. Legolas, Aragorn. Their whole stuff is cool, and like Gandalf coming back and being like kind of a badass white wizard now. Um, yeah, he leveled up. Yeah, <laughs> went from uh, gray to white. Yeah. Um, I think like I just the Merry and Pippin and the like Frodo and Sam separate plots are mm. just kind of the same the entire movie. It's like Merry and Pippin's whole plot is getting with the Ents, 
and like, Ents, please fight with us. And we keep flashing back to it. And they're like, please fight with us. And just keep going. Like, it's a bit more. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the Sam and Frodo part is just kind of, we got to keep walking. Mm-hmm. Gollum's up to something. But we should probably keep walking. And that's it. Like, there's no actual, like, beginning or end for, for them. Mm-hmm. And there's no actual, like, beginning and end um, for Pippin and Merry. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like there is for uh, Gandalf, etc. Yeah. Um, I also think that the production is slightly less good. Oh, than I think the it's actually one. better. Really? Yeah. It does less of that weird slow mo thing that was in vogue in like the late nineties, early two thousands. I didn't mind it though in the um, first one. I think the editing's actually great in this movie. Really? Like when 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 they get to like where. Um, there was sort of like this this battle between like the orcs and uh, when when Merry and Pippin yeah get, where Merry and Pippin were sort of taken away I think by the writer well the writers attack the yeah, orcs. yes yeah. um and and Aragorn comes and is like tracking where they and he's like sort of tracking and like it cuts back from yeah. his tracking to their yeah like scurrying away and then also the Smeagol scene where. There's a couple scenes like this, but there's one in particular that goes on for a little bit where it's, you know, the two sides of Smeagol arguing with each other and the way where he's looking to the left when he's, like, the nice one and the right when he's the mean one. Yeah. And that I found really snappy. Yeah. I I, I think I like... It's too... It's too small to, yeah. like, have the, like, massive visuals that I right. think the first one did and the third one will. And I think that's what I mean. Is there's not quite the like wow factor in this movie from a production standpoint. Editing, I'll give you. I, I, I don't really know. I, I, I also that. like I, the orcs still just look so good. The battle, yeah, but all that stuff really is the impressive. same. Like they didn't yeah. do anything new, and they actually kind of did less. But the set pieces are bigger. Like the Battle of Helm's Deep is bigger compared to like the original battle at the beginning of the first one. Yeah, but I still think the Battle of Helm's Deep looks better. Yeah, yeah. Not that the first one looked bad. I it, it looks better and it goes on longer. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, but I yeah I agree with you in that like clearly Balahum's Deep part, the Ryan part's the most interesting part, and it's clear that they definitely cut a lot of stuff out from certainly Sam and Frodo's part when they get captured by I I don't even remember their names, but Boromir's group. Well, it's, um, uh, what town are they? What? Yeah, whatever. Um, I'm gonna look this up. Yeah. Um, um it's like, because they're like a group. There's, yeah. But like, but my, my point is, right, is that they don't, um, ah, Sean Bean only shows up in the extended edition. Anyway, um, <laughs> Gondor. It's Gondor. Yeah. They, um, they, like, that whole um, thing where it's like the the one ring wraith who's riding the dragon, yeah. um, they clearly just had to cut a lot of stuff out there. And yeah. that, even though the ending's supposed to be like really big and dramatic, it's sort of, you know, it's just it's very there's just not enough there. And like I get why it wouldn't because it'd be a five hour movie otherwise, but um, it feel it, it leaves you feeling a little short shrifted. Because you actually feel like there's been no... Pro- like, nothing's yeah, happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. everyone is in kind of the same place they were at the beginning, if they are at the end. They're just all, like, I guess, Frodo and Sam are a little closer. Yeah. But they're not, like, 
Which, emotionally. Which is my general critique of J.R.R. Tolkien, where like so many of his stories are just walking from point A to point B, and the things that happen along the way which make the beginning and ending a little underwhelming. Or the ending, at least, underwhelming. Oh, but the ending's the best part. Well, the third movie's the best part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't said anything no, yeah, in this either. conversation. <laughs> um, I was disappointed in this movie. I guess I understand why it was nominated for, like, production and all of that stuff, because it's still, like, a marvelous movie, as in it is a marvel um, to perceive. But it really... I Because I was so freaking into the first one, I was excited to watch the second, and it was just, like... Again, it fell flat. And I think it's very understandable why. It's because this is, the like, the middle chunk of a story. Yeah. Um, and so nothing really does massive nothing really massive happens because you're really just like if you were to just read like the middle section of a book it'd be like well what is really like yeah this is just like development you know mm-hmm. um but i don't think we saw like a change in characters really i didn't think yeah, we saw, like, yeah. emotional or yeah they're all pretty flat yeah. yeah i think you do with um aragorn is well, probably it, the only one you do yeah you see it mostly with the peripheral characters you yeah. see it with um the king of Rohan. <laughs> Ugly means evil in this universe, Mike. That's the message. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in a lot of fantasy universes, yeah. too. Um, you see it with um, Yor- Yormir. What? The the guy from Gondor. Yeah, Yormir. Oh, Carl Urban. Urban brother. Yeah. Um, you see it with that. but and, and, like, in a book, you have more space. You have more pages. You can mm-hmm. flesh those characters out. Whereas, like... Yeah, the Fellowship is still a Fellowship. Like, Gimli and Legolas are better friends in this one than they are in the first one. Yeah, um, yeah I didn't like Jon in the first one. Aragorn, it's 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 sort of... It's, it's a very Aragorn... It's like Smeagol, very Smeagol heavy and Aragorn heavy, where it's like definitely Aragorn's story, it feels like, in this. Which is building towards the third yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I think, I mean, I think that made it a little difficult for me. Having not read the entire series, I, I this one made it difficult for me to understand who I was supposed to be concentrating on. Like, I know the main story is, of course, like, getting the ring to Mordor and all that good shit, but I didn't know in this movie, like, what character was supposed to be the most important. Um, so that was a little bit of a struggle. But it's like, yeah, it's just like, I feel like kind of it was nominated or praised because it was like, oh, the first one, but the first one was so freaking good, right? The first one was amazing. And so everyone just, like, was kind of riding off the high of the first one. And then this one just yeah. wasn't, just objectively was not as spectacular. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling on that. Yeah. Why did you think the ending was the best part, Lars? In this movie? Yeah. I mean, of the third movie. Oh. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, in the, it's, this is clearly just setting the stage for the third, for the conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is necessary. I'm not trying to, like, right. degrade this. I'm just saying that doesn't inherently make it yeah it actually kind of it lessens it i wrote my letterbox review how this kind of feels like the anti-empire strikes back in a yeah. sense where a and the point of empire strikes back at the end is that like it's super like depressing and like everyone's scattered no one knows what the hero they're gonna do next whereas this one it's like they have like three massive victories um yeah. and sam has this whole little like oh we tell these like you know these harrowing stories that where there's like you know we prevail at the end because to prove that they're still good in the world um, which I think is really good and works for me. Um, but, like, it, it's the ant. You're just kind of like, oh, now they have the momentum to go forward. But story-wise, that isn't as compelling. Uh, and, yeah, and an empire, 
you see like actual character development. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and like I'm uh, and stuff is revealed. This, this is going to be a bit of a stretch, but I would argue Han Solo is to Empire as Aragorn is to this movie. He's ostensibly the main character that like the audience focuses on through the like Empire through line, and he's the one that like kind of like becomes the point of contact between this one and the next one. It's like. Uh, you know, because like yeah, Han Solo kind of faces like he's betrayed, yada yada yada. He falls in love and is frozen, and then like comes back in like sweeping fashion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Aragorn kind of goes through that same thing. Whereas Frodo is clearly like Luke, and yeah. like in the second one, you almost kind of wait. Luke is just on Dagobah right. for most of the right. Movie. He's yeah. like separate. He's doing his own thing, and that's fine. And in Empire, I think that it just works a lot better. <laughs> yeah. The story's like tighter. Yeah. Yeah. Shorter too, yeah. Um, and Hoth, like no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> Battle Helm's Deep is amazing, but I'll take Hoth over it any day. Yeah, okay. it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, big mouth. Uh, <laughs> any any other thoughts, Kathleen? You didn't talk a lot. No. Okay. Next. 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 Uh, anyway, this was also not nominated for as much stuff. It got me thinking, I realized it must be a bummer for the guy who did the score, because you can only get really nominated for, like, the first movie for Best Original Score, because um, I assume you just reused the score. Anyway, yeah. it won visual effects, very deserving, I think, uh, nominated for editing, art direction, sound, one sound editing, and nominated for Best Picture. Peter Jackson, not nominated for directing. Um, Rip. All right, last, but certainly not least, The Pianist, directed by Roman Polanski. Mm. Um, Mike screen, loves him screenplay by Ronald Harwood based on the book by Wadislaw Spielman uh, starring Adrian Brody Thomas Kreshman, Frank Finlay Maureen Littman, Amelia Fox and Michael Zabrowski um, this is the story of a pianist who's living in Warsaw um, he is Jewish and when the Germans roll through town he and his family are moved into the Warsaw ghetto um, and it's really just about his, um, and he, he avoid he, and as they're being shipped out to the death camps, he is taken out of line by one of the members of whatever the Jewish police were called, um, and, and sort of spared in that regard. But then it's just him trying to survive throughout Warsaw, basically from the beginning to the end of the occupation of Poland to the end of World War II. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's his, his quest for survival. Um, yeah, what, what do we think? So, I was the only one who's seen it before, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, he only plays the piano, like, three times. <laughs> What's it called, pianist? Um, I think it kind of takes... I, I like the... We've had, This is the second time I've said this in this podcast, but I like the inversion of the Holocaust narrative in this film. I what, think was the, what was the first um, Holocaust when we talked about Um... <laughs> Of the, like, three we've, um... Uh, oh, Life is life, Beautiful. Oh, I thought you meant, like, this episode. Yeah, right? no, 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 no. Um, life is Beautiful. Like, what yeah. did I is, I, is I think this, like, inverts the narrative as well, because we're used to kind of seeing on, like, the grand scale and, like, dealing with, like, oh, humanity is, like, this is a terrible moment, um, and, like, war is necessary, whereas this feels very, very personal and very, like... Witnessy, it's like um, uh, with auteur <laughs> to use my film knowledge, yeah. um, and I, you see 
Oh man, there's just there's a lot. There's so much. Adrian Brody is so good in this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. At the beginning, I was like, "Why did he get? Why did he win?" But then, yeah. like as it goes on, you're like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Yeah. Um, and you, I just yeah, I think I think everything looks really good. If the production's really good, um, the acting's good, um, and like the the like feeling of desperation and like hunger uh, is really good. And like when he gets stuck saved but like he has to hide in an apartment sort of in the third act Mm -hmm. um and there's like a piano there and he clearly can't play it because it would make noise and you've got like a uh Anne Frank situation for that act part of the movie Mm -hmm. um but he like looks out his window he spends all the time like watching sort of the events of the war unfold and all of like the hospital um yeah yeah um, I was not expecting to. Feels weird to say that I like this movie because it's supposed to be kind of unpleasant. But you know, I I feel like yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll use the word like. <laughs> I, I was expecting to like this movie as much as I did. Um, it's quite good. Yeah, it's just you know, seeing the sort of like destruction of this like once great city at, through the eyes of this one guy. It's it's kind of it's it's incredibly powerful and there's a lot of you know there there's portions of it where there's really no dialogue and just him starving going through the bombed out carcass of warsaw looking for something anything to eat and that the fact that that's not incredibly boring is it's like you know a credit to how well it's made oh and the emotional drop when he like finally like thinks everyone's left Mm -hmm. and then like starts playing the piano Mm -hmm. and then the german soul is like just like yeah. that very long yeah. pan upward, yeah. and like you just drop. Yeah, um, so that's good. I my my once well, um, my I felt like the beginning part. There was something about the. I don't know. There was something like the the production design. I don't want to say it felt cheap, but like there were parts where I didn't feel. It just very much felt like a movie about the Holocaust. Um, and, and didn't really separate it's like certainly at the beginning but as as he sort of gets like stranded behind I feel like it gets more interesting and I think that uh, the idea of like seeing it through these people's eyes like not just seeing the you know the part where you're like in the camp or whatever but seeing like the like like when they're just waiting for the train to come but they don't really know they're waiting for the train to come being like what are they going to do like are they going to kill someone get there we don't know there's just people arguing 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 about it I, I feel I forgot I forgot my whole th- my whole other thing. The reason it's called the pianist is because he's like kind of famous. Yeah, is he's like famous at the beginning of the movie. He's like a famous pianist in in Warsaw, um, and so you sort of watch watch the Holocaust initially unfold in uh, from the lens of like mid to upper class yeah, Jewish exactly. family, right, which right. is what different than you usually see in holocaust movies um i feel like I, I was thinking about this i feel like a lot of holocaust movies are actually through the eyes of someone who is not in the like schindler's list is not through the eyes of a person of, of it from a jewish person it's through the eyes of oscar schindler who was not jewish and was not in the camp he just owned the factory that a lot of the prisoners you know were working at right yeah. like um that's really the only one I can think of. I mean, never mind. Yeah, I feel like every, every other one I can think of definitely. <laughs> um, but but I think it's 
and I think I, I mean obviously this is that's the point but the point is sort of to show that it was all reaching was, yeah there was no discrimination and I think that privilege helped him right certainly right. at the end and in the beginning it helped him last longer for sure yeah but it's in the middle where it doesn't matter yeah because you see that privilege fall away and that's where he gets so skinny and like so desperate mm-hmm. Kathleen I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I expected to. I expected it to just be like sad, soft story, which it feels awful to say with all of right, us because right, it obviously right. was an awful thing. But I expected it to be like very somber, which it was. But I was, it was more captivating than I expected it. Um, I found him to be a very likable character. He was very quiet, but he seemed very sincere. Um, he was a nice guy. Um, his family was very like loving and connected. Um, he had good friends, he, like, there was, everything was just very, like, like a nice, like, normal. And then it showed, like, how awful things turned. Um, and I, I liked following him. I liked seeing his story because he did, he was someone who, like, never, it's not that he never lost hope, but he never, like, did anything but try to survive, you know? Right, right. And it was, like, a very interesting approach where he was just, like, living. Like, he was just doing mm. everything he could to live and hiding. And, like, and I think the interesting take was that he never got sent to a concentration camp. So we got to see, like, what does the world look like when you're on the run from this? And you, you know, are privileged enough to have connections, but those connections start to fall through. Um, and the fact that, like, you know, he was split up by from his family... Um, and obviously things turned out fine for him, but it, yeah, I was just like, I was a lot more engrossed in the film than I thought. Um, and it's based on a true story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild to me. Um, yeah, that's like all I have. It was like basically everything that you guys said, I say, like it was a lot and it was very quiet. Like Mm -hmm. the good, the middle chunk of the movie was very quiet. Basically like there's a portion where there's like no talking whatsoever you can hear like a pin drop at yeah. a lot of moments in this yeah. um which didn't at all like ever make me lose concentration didn't make me lose interest um it's it's like you felt the gravity of the quietness mm. um and it's like you feared yeah you know what would happen if you're always on edge yeah yeah well there's a scene where he breaks all the 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 uh yeah. The dishes and like the apartment he's hanging out in and like that's his that's what makes him have to go sort of on the run yeah. more. Um so yeah, the quietness is like definitely plays a big role. Um Yeah, and I also like the way sort of like time passes, like there are a lot of interesting sort of like fade in and outs and like different sort of like wipes and stuff when yeah. it comes to like the editing, which makes it feel like Star Wars in some weird ways. But like it, it works to sort of illustrate the the passing of time because I feel like there is some movies that just like show you misery for misery's sake and sort of like length for length's sake mm-hmm. and just like this was so miserable and long but I feel like this movie even though it could have very easily been that story kind of went to lengths to make sure it wasn't that story yeah. um, I feel like what also makes it powerful is that it is a story of like kind of famous like kind of wealthy but like at some level, like, ordinary, right? Like, his one goal is to survive. He isn't part of the resistance. Like, he helps them out. He yeah. runs guns for them. But, like, he's viewing, like, the Warsaw Uprisings, like, through his window. It's happening in his backyard, but he's not a part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, like... he's He ends up being sort of, like, separated from society in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of... Kind of interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I had something else to say. Was this the movie where there was one transition where I was like, oh, that was bad? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it's like, it's because they don't just have like plain old cuts. It's a lot of like, you know, it's like the the circle going in and out. It's like the the long sort of fade. It's, yeah. There's one that I feel like was just a wipe. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, that was, because I think it like, I think it cut, like, I nearly cut someone off of their sentence. I'm like, Mm. but anyway, that was the one thing that was just strange. But otherwise, really good. Yeah. Enjoyable. We've said we had to say about this movie. I did, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, it was nominated for some stuff and won some stuff. Big stuff, actually. Uh, nominated for editing, costume design, cinematography, one adapted screenplay, Adrian Brody won Best Actor, Roman Polanski, very awkwardly and and perhaps disturbingly won Best Director, and then uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. Was he there to accept it? Or was this... I don't believe he was, because I'm pretty sure if he steps inside the United States, he gets arrested. Yeah, I'm just wondering if this was before that. No, it was not. <laughs> that happened in, like, the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Oh. Cool. For listeners not aware, Roman Polanski, on the run for statutory rape charges, currently living in Switzerland because they will not extradite him. Uh, Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. Keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> when keeping it real goes wrong, yeah. the Switzerland story. <laughs> um, okay. The Ents are the Switzerland of Lord of the Rings. It's true. I mean, until they're actually convinced. Yeah. yeah. Do do something. To be fair, they weren't hoarding um, Nazi gold. Isengard gold, <laughs> yeah. so... But, yeah, in some, they're really more the United States, right? Because they take action. I guess. But they have to be convinced to take guess. action. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it out of, like, they're Because they killed the cheese. Yes. Yeah. Pearl Harbor. And the one guy had to cool himself off because he was on fire. Yeah, that's I, cute. I <laughs> so great. Such attention to detail, Peter Jackson. Um, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> the year is now 2003. You are a voting member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and you are given a ballot of the following films as nominees for Best Picture. Chicago, Gangs of New York, The Hours, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Pianist. How do you vote? I feel like none of us are ready to answer this question. I'm between three. Okay. I'm between two. Okay. <laughs> do we want to talk this out? <laughs> what, are the, what, what, are, what are you between, Michael? <sighs> So, I was initially between Gangs of New York, Chicago, and Lord of the Rings. Um, Chicago. But now I've also kind of convinced myself into The Pianist. So you're between four? Sort of. Yeah. Um, so the hours sucks. The <laughs> hours is nine. Yeah, it's definitely not the hours. I think, as much as it pays me to do so, I'm going to knock off Gangs of New York because of the problems. Like, yeah. It is <laughs> just kind of spectacle to me. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, like that's one of the reasons why I think Gladiator is so good, because it's just spectacle. But, like... I, I, it's all right. Keep going. Keep so going. okay. So the pianist. I think I might also knock off now. I like the pianist. I think it's quite good. Um, I feel a little weird choosing a Roman Polanski movie to win Best Picture. Um, Separate the art from the artist, bro. Come on. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Um, but like, so maybe. I think I, Lord of the Rings Two is the easiest one to knock off. Yeah, See, for sure. It's. I still like it, but a lot, you've but... been acknowledged. You've acknowledged it has almost all the same problems. As I like... have. I think, and so this is based. I, I've used this before, but there's another podcast I listened to about who they do a similar thing, and I disagree with almost all of their opinions. Actually, it's almost comical how much we disagree with yeah, them. We're better. Um, <laughs> like they For loved sure. the English Patient. <laughs> yeah, fuck oh, them. It's called Academy Rewind. But the one guy said, like, on one episode, he's like, you know, when I think of a Best Picture movie. Um, it has to be a movie that like sticks in my mind, right? 
and Gangs of New York certainly sticks in my mind, stuck in my mind for like 10 years. Um, but like, when I think of like feeling what felt like the best, like what maybe sort of like what gave me the most like, this is a good movie feeling. And even though I was kind of talking a little bit of shit of it earlier, it, I think it's Chicago. Yeah. I'm picking Chicago. Yeah. It, it was sort of like the, the, the wildest ride. Um, it was fun. And I think in addition to that, it has a lot of stuff to say. And like, it's a very, it's just a different kind of musical and in some ways a different kind of best picture winner. And so for that reason, even though I really, I, if I had to, if I had to rank them, I think I'd go Chicago or the rings, gangs of New York, the penis and the hours. Um, but I'm going to go with Chicago. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I am also going to go with Chicago. I think um, I just I think it, it fires on the most syllables and is actually the boldest of any of these in that it actually like takes risks. I don't feel like Lord of the Rings actually takes risks. I don't feel like Gangs of New York really takes... I don't feel like there's a lot of risks taken in any of these movies except Chicago. Um, I also like musicals probably more than you guys in general i think i like musicals there <laughs> i like musicals shoot me um yeah, yeah. coming yeah <laughs> um i yeah i i feel like it goes it has the most like layers that work um i the hours tries has, but is so on the surface has the clearest themes yeah um, which is not always a sign of complexity or anything but yeah but and i I think the production value like it has this is my critique of the hours right is that it's missing so many things missing soundtrack production um maybe acting yada 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 i think chicago is the only one that actually hits every single one of them um yeah it's got a good sound it's got good production acting's pretty good was the two you were between it was the Chicago and the Pianist? It is. Um, the Pianist is close. I But I think what actually... I think I was going to go Chicago anyway. Um, your point of it should be the one that left you... What did you say? It sticks in your mind. It sticks in your mind. It's like, I'd seen the Pianist before, and it didn't really... Like, I saw it ten years ago, and I just... It existed. It is a movie. I think it's a great movie. Um, I don't think that it's it's had like the impact on me, <laughs> as terrible as it is to say, as <laughs> Chicago did. Um, and I'm not sure it was. It's that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, there you go, Kathleen. Can I tell you all something? What? I'm not gonna pick Chicago. Yeah, that's, okay. that's fine. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna pick the pianist. Oh, what? I thought you were gonna pick. Yeah, I, I, I thought for sure you were gonna pick Gangs of New York. I know. I'm not even convinced that I really want to pick the pianist. <laughs> um, because so I was between Chicago, the pianist, and Gangs of New York. And when you said sticks in your mind, I was like, oh, not the sh- not Chicago. Um, I'm just leaning towards, and I think for me, my it blew my mind that the movie was quiet for so long, and I was still captivated by it, and told such a rich story um, through lack of dialogue and i think that is why i'm going with the pianist okay well there you go as i was saying to lars earlier today there are five possible combinations whenever we, we do this right like I, we all pick the same one mm-hmm. we all pick a different one lars and i choose one and you choose a different one 
Um, and then the same story for each yeah, of you and guys. Then the, and so this is the first time. We've, we've now hit all five different of those permutations. Oh. Um, this is the first time Lars and I have agreed and you have disagreed. Um, okay. But what other movies out there? Lars, I know you had one off the top of your tongue. Should have been nominated for Best Picture in 2002. No. Okay, I got one that's a little controversial, and I have one that's very controversial. <laughs> the little controversial one is, I don't know that I believe this, Bowling for Columbine, I feel mm. like, had the social impact of documentary. Interesting. Um, it's probably Michael Moore's best thing. I've, ne- I, I've never seen a full Michael Moore. You're not missing out on it. I mean, you are. There are. Some of them are actually very well edited and made, even if their points are a little much. Uh, but Bowling for Columbine is, like, held up as his best one. Um, and if Four Weddings and a Funeral was nominated for Best Picture, I know you're gonna Big Trouble should have been nominated terrible, for Best Picture. Terrible, terrible yeah, movie. No, yeah, there you go. I'm just saying, would I have picked it to win Best Picture? No. But if, if Four Weddings and a Funeral gets to be nominated, I'm just putting it out there. There's other kinds of movies that can be nominated. Um, <sighs> Trouble's bad. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I think... Those, I actually haven't seen a ton of movies from this year. Um, I think... I think that you know what's weird. What Lilo and Stitch came out this year. Yeah, isn't that weird? I could have sworn Ice Age. Yeah, that's I, weird. I could have sworn it's starting it was to get like real. Two thousand three or two thousand four. Yeah, it's starting to get too real. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I I'm actually very happy with the more yeah. or less with the films they nominated. It was a good year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, so Twenty Fifth Hour, um, Spike Lee movie starring Edward Norton about a guy. Living in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, who um, has 24 hours before he has to go to prison. Um, a great movie about like post 9 11 New York. Um, mm. I, I was gonna, 28 Days Later came out, but I wouldn't nominate that. No. Um, Spider Man, I would not nominate for Best Picture, but it's good. Um, <laughs> City of God, um, a Brazilian movie um, mm. about an area in the city called City. It's, it's a, like this sort of like genera- generations reaching story about like drugs and crime in Brazil actually amazing and I think if that was not me I would have voted for it for Best Picture um, hmm. really 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 good and I think oh well so it's interesting so that it had just one release in 2002 and it's domestic release in 2003 and Fernando Marielis was actually nominated for Best Director in 2003 hmm. um, but outside of that Harry and Potter and the source and the Chamber of Secrets probably not Best Picture material um, no how about you Kathleen I am looking at a list of things released this year as we speak, because I never come prepared to these things. Um, and I'm amazed at how many movies came out this year. Like, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah. I thought that was, like, not, like, earlier. That's also, like, If Four Ends and Funerals nominated. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. But I think I'm happy with everything. Like, I think it, 2002 was just kind of a year of weird, like... Like, I laughed before because Scooby-Doo came out. The live-action <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Um, Made in Manhattan, which is a fabulous movie. That should have been nominated. Thank you very much. This might be the first year we've had where they didn't miss something big. That very yeah. clearly should have yeah. been nominated. Yeah. There's no, like, glaring omission. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it. Signs came out this year. <laughs> oh, God. Which, I remember hating that, so I, I don't But like you aliens. love Mel Gibson, Kathleen. <laughs> but I hate Aliens. 
Perhaps the worst performance is Joaquin Phoenix's career signs. Well, Walk the Line also sucks, but we'll get we'll talk about that. Um, is that not It actually is not nominated for Best Picture, so we won't be talking no. about that. <laughs> Never mind. Let's be clear. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that that does it for 2002. Next episode, we will be talking about the movies mm-hmm. from 2003, and those nominees are. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Yes. Lost in Translation. Yes. Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Yes. Mystic River. And Sea Biscuit. Okay. Our first Clint Eastwood Clint movie. Um, sea Biscuit? Yes, Sea Biscuit. He's not in Sea Biscuit. I know, Mystic but we have to watch Sea Biscuit. We have to watch Sea Biscuit. I, I think it could be interesting. I'm sure. It, I, I think I'll be happy. Nay! I, I, I had to read the book for a class. Does it die? The horse die? Nay. I mean, eventually. Can I tell you the, the story? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Okay, no. can I tell you a quick story? Sure. Um, in second grade, I'm, I would probably be around 2003, right? Uh, I was in second grade in 2001 to 2002. Yeah, so 2003. To 2004 would be you. Whatever. I think. So yeah. around the time that I think it was Seabiscuit came out, this kid, who I will not name, but had a crush on me in second grade, as well as every other girl in the class, so I wasn't special or anything, um, was telling me, I think, the plot of Seabiscuit, and I think he mentioned the horse died, or it was some type of movie like that. Black said, Stallion. Maybe. He said it died. Sweet. And I had a cold, so I was sniffling because I had a cold, and he was just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that I made you cry, and I'm like, dude, I haven't even been listening to you. Um, but yeah, that's that's my story. Not that great. <laughs> cool. Things that stick with you. Well, my All story. Right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm Michael Levito. Um, you can follow me on Letterboxd as Michael Levito. Um, on Twitter as at mlevito. Um, yeah. All right. I'm Lars. You can find me on the Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. That's my name. I'm Kathleen Oviedo. I've officially given up on Letterboxd, but you can find me on Instagram at Rise to the Sun. Yeah. Is it a Lars website? Is that, is that it? <laughs> it is it actually is. a no, Lars website. <laughs> you, uh, you can also read our work on thepostwriter.com, mm-hmm. um, where we post this podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Um, Kathleen and I have another podcast called A Thing Like That, which is about Mad Men. We're doing every episode. So listen to that, too, if you like us. Um, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not Lars. <laughs> if you like Lars, then read the State and Science section on Ghostwriter and other articles. No one else does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Real Life Oscar Challenge. Uh, yeah. I, I still don't know how to end podcasts, but thanks for listening, and have a good one. Aw. Bye. So sweet. Bye.